Straight to you from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. <laughs> Welcome to Permit to Think. Meaningful stories and conversations from the fringe of societal norms. I am your host, Mike Dawes. As a fisherman and professional host, I've spent the last 25 years traveling the far reaches of the world. In the beginning, the goal was untouched adventures and wild fish. But I've come to realize that the people I've met along the way and their stories have played a pivotal role in seeking what I'm truly after, a quiet mind and some time to think. This ride is too short, so I'm going to start exploring the narratives of the people that have brought me here. I have been told that audio has no rules, so it seems like a good platform for someone who grew up breaking them all. Let's go. Our guest today, long overdue, is R.A. Biotti. R.A. hails from Woody Creek, Colorado, and he has been immersed in the fly fishing world since he could walk. R.A. started apprenticing in the guide realm at the age of 14 in and around his home waters. Later, he went on to attend the University of Puget Sound and then on to Full Sail University, where he studied film. While his family has deep roots in the ski industry, R.A. started to blaze his own trail in the world of fly fishing, filmmaking, and media. R.A. started to put his films in the Fly Fishing Film Tour back in 2005 and has been putting content and films out ever since. He has been fortunate enough to film on every continent on the planet and is still at it today. Simply put, R.A. is a pioneer in the world of fly fishing, film, and media. I first met R.A. in Montana in 2013, and shortly after, we started to do some work together. But more importantly, we became really close friends in a very short amount of time, for which I am extremely grateful. And we've also had plenty of laughs. R.A. and I have been able to travel the world together, forging relationships with others while filming projects. What has always fascinated and boggled my mind about R.A. is that all of his work in the media is, while all of his work is in media, the fishing media is done on his own time. Throughout the years, he has put out 25 longer films, 30, 30 plus shorter films, which is truly remarkable, and that's probably out of date. During the days, R.A. is the Director of Marketing and Talent Relations at Breed Love Guitars in Bend, Oregon, where he currently resides. Without further ado, please welcome my good friend, R.A. Biotti, to the show. What's up, R.A.? Mikey, thank you so much for having me. Um, and I feel a little guilty. I know this is the second go-around. And I'm curious, how, how, many, <laughs> how many times do you have to do a second, a second take with your guests? This is, this is the first. <laughs> we, we've got a lot of firsts going on. So, yeah, for, for those of you listening, we, we first uh, did this back in July, um, and we did do it in person. So that's, that's the key, because I have, I have made a hard stance that I would never do this remote. Um, it, didn't, it didn't go the way we wanted to, technical difficulties, time. And so we are doing this remotely, but um, RA was in the studio, and, and not much has changed in here. But yeah, you got your water bottle, right? 
Oh, I love the water Good. bottle. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I use that. I use that on a daily basis. Um, that thing is uh, that thing's super stout and heavy. And um, I don't know if you have this experience, but when it's in the <laughs> when it's in the back of my truck and I'm zipping around like the country roads, it just slams back and forth against the side of the inside <laughs> of the vehicle. I, I love it. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe it'll take out a window or two. You know. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I might get one actually, because I don't know. I think this is episode 28, but it could also be 26, which is maybe what you have, but yeah, I, I love it. You don't, um, you don't have one already. How, how the hell you been, man? No, I don't. I, I, cause the episodes are on them. Mm, so maybe okay. I'll take, you know, I'll take this one. You should. I would, I would love for you to have Since that. Since we doubled down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Perfect. perfect. Thank you. Glad I could help. Um, I've been good, buddy. It's been, um, yeah, it seems like the first month of the year just blazed by. I can't even, I can't even believe that we're already, uh, into February, but yeah, it's been, it's been a good year so far. Just trying to kind of keeping our fingers crossed. We get a little bit more snow here. Um, we're getting a little bit of weather, but it's been a little dry. So skiing has been less than desirable, but, um, you know, off to, off to a good year. How, how about you? Yeah, I, I don't know if you're the same way, man, but it's been so warm that my calendar, like it's, it, I have to keep reminding myself it's February. Yeah, yeah. Um, it feels like it's late March, April, but yeah, I don't 100%. know. We've been getting some snow, but it's just been warm. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky, Have right? you, um, it is, it's, uh, and it's also, it seems like everything's speeding up anyhow. Um, have you ever, have you ever drank mate? Like the the loose leaf, I had a little bit of it. I had a friend of mine from Argentina, and we were filming in Guatemala, and he was drinking it nonstop on the on the sailfish boat. <clears throat> so that's the only place I've actually had it. But uh, why are you? Uh, have you been dabbling? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just you know you know me right. <laughs> I just I just got back from Argentina uh, as well, okay. and. Uh, yeah, I, you know, started the process, but it's a process. It's not a, um, and apparently there's all, all kinds of, you know, s- s- things you need to be doing before you drink it. It's not just like yeah. making a cup of coffee, which, which I'm learning. I was over at a buddy's house who's, um, same thing, his, his ski rate, you know, they're all ski racers and his son mm. was ski racing down South and got into it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a process. Did, I, I'm not, did 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 I have the we had the hoppe when when you were out here last summer, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you have the cute? Yeah, little, the Amazonia. The cute little cup with like a little straw or like a little <clears throat> kind of like strainer straw. That's probably not the technical. Yeah, term yeah. Airport, airport buy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what wonder what that is. What <laughs> it was an airport purchase when I was looking for t shirts. What were you doing? Um, what were you doing in Argentina? Uh, I, w- I got, I went down to Tierra del Fuego for the first time. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Have you? Yeah, have you been down there? You know, we were in Tierra del Fuego. I took a boat to Antarctica one time, and we were in Tierra del Fuego. You did? <clears throat> yeah, we did, and. Uh, I, we didn't get to fish in Tierra del Fuego because everything was really blown out. Um, but I just remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Like 
Do you did you recall or did you notice how like all the trees are kind of blown in one permanent direction? Like the wind blows so hard <laughs> that the trees grow like to the left, just because they're just constantly. It's it's yeah it's it's raw. Yeah. How was the how was the boat cross? Did you were you you went to Antarctica? Oh, uh, so the, how do I not know this? Yeah, so the Drake Passage <clears throat> is is considered some of the gnarliest some of the gnarliest water in the world, right? And so we were on we were on the boat and know that it's it's rough, it's bad when the captain and the crew are like deathly seasick, and so I think everybody on the boat was. Um, just sick. And I, I actually, you know, we learned a lot of like different tricks and stuff you can do to try to, you know, not get sick in the ocean. You can put like duct tape over your, over your belly button. Um, you know, all these little, little really? tricks. Yeah. All these little tricks that don't really work. Um, but it was just, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it was terrifying. I've tried it all. Yeah. It was terrifying, but you know, was, um, did well, you, did you have like the big waves? I mean, were you, like huge rollers. Cause I mean, when I was down there, yeah. there's people that were going there. So I got curious and started looking at the forecast and I'm like, Holy shit. Yeah. You could look out the back of the boat. And so you could stare out the window kind of towards the back of the boat and I would count and you could look as the, as the boat would, you know, drop down into a wave. You'd look out and you'd just only see sky as you're sliding down the wave. And so that would last for about 20 to 30 seconds. And then as you're climbing the next wave, you would only see water because you know the, the the boat is tilted at such a steep angle climbing a the next wave, <clears throat> and so it's it just massive. I mean, I don't I don't recall. It's probably twenty years ago. I don't remember exactly how tall the waves were, um, but they were just just mountainous, just mountainous waves. And did you were you throwing up? And in... oh yeah, or no? Do you oh, not yeah, get that yeah, sick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? yeah. No, everybody. It, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I said, like the captain, the captain was sick. The crew was getting sick. Like people that live on the water were deathly ill. But then once we, you know, once we got to the to the, the continent of Antarctica, um, you know, obviously like that all changes and um, you get you get some peace. But man, that that crossing is uh, it's not for the lighthearted. I'll tell you that. Have you read the book The Wager? No. Yeah, you should check it out. You'd love it, seeing as though you've done that. It was about, you know, way back in the day, under sale, trying to do it at the wrong time of year. And oh, then they all got fucked. Really? Okay, the um, wager. I'll check I'll check that out. Do you do you recall who wrote that? Yeah, same guy who same guy who wrote um Killers of the Flower Moon. Okay. I will check that out. Yeah. But, yeah. What a what a wild deal. Yeah, I know we went down there and it was it was it was cool. We you know, got to see all the, all the typical sites a little bit. Um, I was, I was very keen on going down there. My grandfather was down there for the better part of a year. One time. 140 days. Yeah. Yeah. They were doing, uh, back in the wide world of sports days, they were documenting uh, a bunch of nations, put a bunch of sled dogs together and they were trying to cross Antarctica uh, with sled dogs. And so, Granddad was down there documenting that journey, and um, I still have his his Antarctica suit. It's actually it's wild. It looks like one of those fat man suits that like you you put on for as a as a joke, like massive, massive um, 
you know, jacket and these, these pants and they're so thick you can barely walk. Um, so do, do they have feet on them? No. And they have, they're made by actually they're Gore-Tex. They have like a, the Gore-Tex emblem. Um, they have the United States flag because he was representing our country as a journalist. Um, but man, you, you put these, you put the suit on and you quickly realize like you are venturing into a world like no other, right? Like, Totally different. Um, that, <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that's a that's a great segue because selfishly, I'm kind of stoked we had to do this again <laughs> for several reasons. But one of which is um, it gave me. I, I realized when we sat down the first time and and it all went south that <laughs> um, your family history is wild, and I didn't. I hadn't done enough research about that. And um, specifically your your grandfather, yeah. Beats, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. They called him? Yep. Um, and, and just for people listening, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, man, but creation, you know, credited with the creation U.S. ski team, co-founder, World Cup tour, head coach, U.S. Olympic ski team. I actually listened to his call when I think it was Franz Klammer won the gold medal. Oh, yeah. Um, that's uh, That raised hairs on my arms. And oh, then yeah. ABC, Wild World of Sports. And then I all, what we just talked about. I mean, 100... <laughs> I would listen to, um, listen to and kind of watched the Aspen Hall of Fame video of your grandfather. Oh, okay. This is insane. <clears throat> yeah, I, you know, it's it's definitely he had just such a remarkable life. Um, you know, and I, I, now that I'm getting a little bit older, I can actually kind of appreciate all of the amazing things that he that he was able, able to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, I don't think you could ask for a more interesting and kind of rich life. He, you know, he was a, a super driven athlete. And his commitment to just working his ass off. Um, he was born and raised in New Hampshire and, you know, went to Middlebury for college and worked a full-time job, put himself through school. He played varsity, I better get this right, tennis, skiing, and football. So he played three varsity sports, worked full-time, and went to school, um, you know, and paid for everything. So just a hustler. <clears throat> and when he got out of school... He actually went to the Colorado Buffaloes and was was uh, coaching football first, and he was coaching on the defensive line. Oh, really? Yeah, crew um, at at CU, um, and then that's actually how there was an opening. There was a ski coach opening, and so he started coaching um, skiing there as well. And then, right around that time, they had an opening for coach of the U.S. ski team, and that's when he kind of you know jumped pretty quickly into the U S ski team. Um, you know, and back then, um, you know, it was, uh, he, he had a big task with the ski team, getting them, getting them ready. And, uh, he took, he took the ski team to their first gold medals and it was, you know, back then it was super, it was, it was a different landscape in skiing. Right. Um, the Europeans really dominated. Um, but yeah, yeah, we weren't relevant. Right. I mean, (laughs) so (laughs) he's, he was a hard ass and, you know, so he had a great, great, uh, coaching career with the U S ski team. And then from there, like you said, he, you know, 
had a lot of different iterations in skiing, but one of the cool things was he, he got into broadcast. Um, and so that's how we got to do, you know, the wide world of sports thing. And I think that's probably, you know, that, I think that's probably the most interesting aspect of what he got to go see and do like from Antarctica to, you know, he went over to Cuba, he met Fidel Castro and interviewed Fidel Castro during an event for wild world of sports. Like they did these crazy rivers in Africa and like all these just, you know, someone, I think someone died on one of the river trips they were doing. Like it was just crazy, wild dangerous stuff um it's just yeah just wild and did you cross over in any of this timeline like or was this all pre you like being aware of it um you know it's funny like i have a couple memories from childhood like i remember being about four or five and watching the olympics um I, i can't remember which ones it would have been maybe calgary or something like that but I remember watching the Olympics with my family on TV and they're like, there's your granddad. And I remember like seeing him and I was like, where's my granddad? But it didn't really, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, like to go to ski races uh, or like, you know, I just, <clears throat> when the world cup would be, you know, in Aspen, um, I remember like, you know, going into the production trailers and kind of seeing him do his thing and commentating and running around. And, but it's, it's interesting when it's your family, right? Cause you don't really, you don't really make the whole connection. You know, it's just, it's, he's your grandfather first, right? <clears throat> sure. You know, and um, he used to send me postcards. And also, uh, it's an age thing, right? Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's an age he, thing. He would send you postcards of like he sent me where postcards, he was? Or? Yeah, from like every every place he went and um, somewhere in the archives, we have to have it. Uh, we had this massive binder that was just stacked full of these postcards from everywhere. Um, so anyway, yeah, very, very, he, he led an amazing life and, um, you know, definitely very inspirational. How, did, um, and I, I have to ask this, but did, um, your Zeno, your father yeah. or your grandfather, did they have a relationship with Hunter S. Thompson? Yeah. So when granddad, so granddad moved to Aspen, um, you know, in the sixties and he lived in town initially and then things got a little wild in town. So he ended up moving to Woody Creek, which for folks that haven't really been to that area, Woody Creek is a, it's a sub Valley, um, just kind of further down the roaring fork Valley from Aspen, um, just a short drive. But anyway, Woody Creek was, you know, dirt roads, kind of very lawless. Uh, everybody that lived there was kind of on the fringe of, <laughs> of society. They called them woody, woody creatures, the people that live there. Um, Do they really? Yeah, woody creatures. Um, and it was, it was where the artists and the, you know, some movie stars and some writers and kind of the, the crazies all lived out there. So anyway, granddad moved out there across the street from Owl Farm where Hunter Thompson lived. Um, and we lived on the property. We lived there until I was about five or six before we just moved a short distance down the road. But, um, yeah, Hunter, Hunter was the neighbor or one of the neighbors. <laughs> Pretty wild. That is so, yeah, that's, that's super wild. We had, and I'm, yeah. yeah, I mean, there you go. There, there's the benefit of doing this the second time. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't even, I didn't even have some of that. And we hadn't even covered that. Um, you'll, 
but I mean, it's pretty easy for me to make the connection like from, I guess, maybe that environment growing up, like as, as I could visualize it to kind of the pioneering work you chose to do in the fly fishing, you know, arena, would, would you attribute some of the stuff you've done or the paths you've taken to that environment? A hundred percent. You know, I think for me wanting to make content, wanting to tell stories, wanting to, you know, produce video, um, it, it, it was never, it was never like a, a question of like, can I do this? It was just, I think when you have a family member, a significant family member that does that for a living, you kind of see it and you're like, Oh, well, like, well naturally that's just something you can do. Like you can, you want to tell a story? You want to make a movie? You want to make a documentary? You want to do any of that stuff? Like, yeah, you can do like, why wouldn't you be able to do that? So um, I think we were ripping around when I was a kid, you know, granted this was like, we were shooting tape, um, you know, so kind of in between <laughs> digital, well, it was digital tape, but in between film and full digital, you know, uh, that we have nowadays, uh, we were ripping around with, you know, podunk little cameras and shooting stuff and trying to tell little stories. And um, yeah, just, it was something that was very attainable even from a young age. Yeah. That's, um, that's a cool way to think about it. It's like, it's never like you had to, it was, it was part of your DNA almost. Yeah. If you think, I mean, I've always thought about like, you know, I was listening to an actor the other day, um, that was, uh, you know, came from a long line of actors and it was just interesting because I guess I, if you were to ask me if like I could become an actor, if I, if I was into that, right. Um, I would, I would look at it as a, mon- mm-hmm. a monumental task and be like, man, that's daunting. And, oh, the, the, the cards are stacked against you and the odds of you making it and all these things, you would just assume it'd be really, really hard and challenging. But I was looking at an actor and like, yeah, you know, that's what my parents did. And it's the family business. And that's just what you do. And I was like, man, that's interesting to, you know, I guess in the same way that, you know, families have long lines of doctors or lawyers or things like that. Right. But like you kind of fall into the things that your, your family does sometimes just because it, it seems attainable or it's, it's, it's there in front of you. Yeah. You know, it's actually, <laughs> so, I mean, my dad had a long stint in the investment business that he ended up leaving right before going to education. But mm. I mean, I remember, you know, a long time ago when I graduated, um, my first fishing gig fell apart mm. okay. and it was a complete disaster. <laughs> um, but that, that led me to, uh, the investment business. Okay. So it was like what, you know, like the impressions I had when I was a kid it was like, oh, I knew that. I can go do that. Mm. And um, well, that didn't that didn't last long either. Thank God. But yeah, I was going to say, you didn't, at least for me, um, you, didn't, you didn't stick with that yeah. drug, did you? <laughs> uh, yeah, and I don't know if that was. I mean, I think I saw the writing on the wall, but yeah. um, but it is. It's it's an interesting thing to think about, right? I mean, how impressionable, especially as parents, right? Like how how impressionable the kids are, you know, at a pretty pretty broad range of ages, I would say. It probably ends when you're teens or something, but yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. And I know you, you know, you and I have young kids that are pretty, pretty close in age. And I think, I don't know about your kiddos, but mine changes what she's going to be on a, on a pretty regular basis, but 
you know, it bounces around from like, <laughs> yeah. you know, artist to artist to musician to actress to, you know, pro horse rider or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> but you look at, yeah. trying to figure out, you know, you're like, as we groom them to send them off into the, eventually send them off in the world, you know, trying to figure out their passions and trying to figure out how to mold that into something that feeds their soul, but also keeps them viable. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one thing that when I was doing some research for this, that I don't know, I'm trying to remember that why your grandfather said it, but he said, you know, just, just did it all, do it all. And then you'll, you'll fall in someplace. Um, yeah. Just like you said, right. He went and started coaching football, but ended up uh, in the ski world. It's kind of, yeah. I don't know. I take that as good advice. He, I mean, because yeah. I, I want my, yeah, I want my kids to do certain things, but then I'm like, do I really? Um, yeah, I think one of the one of the things I loved that he said, and I don't know where he got it from. Um, folks are probably going to know where, but he used to say, "Ready, fire, aim." And so, I just kind of loved it, which was like, just <laughs> you know, just go for it, um, you know. And I think for better or worse, that's something I've definitely done in my life. Is uh, you know, I just I try not to say no to things and. That's awesome. Uh, doesn't and, and a lot of times it bites you in the ass, you know. But I think if when you do something, when you do something that you fail at, or it turns out to be a bad idea, you know, hopefully you can learn a really good lesson and you don't do it again. Uh, but sometimes it pays off, you know. And you say like, you know, I think you and I have done some crazy adventures, and I think if we spent a second or two thinking about what we were actually going to do, we probably wouldn't do it. Um. A hundred percent. Because we've done some stupid stuff together. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And and there's only on that note, right? And and he's actually going to be on season three. Um, there's only a couple of trips where, in hindsight, now I'm like, I probably shouldn't have said yes to that. Um, but. But we'll hear about those at a later, at a later time. Yeah. Um, so, so making that, you know, going back to that kind of, you know, connection environment, you know, you grew up in and how, how did it really all start, you know, for you in the, in the fishing filming scene? Was it, were you doing that before you went back to study film or did you, or was it after? When I was in college, we, I was a fishing guide during the summer and, you know, like most early twenties fishing guides, um, we were just absolutely insane about fishing. I mean, I think we're still crazy about fishing now, but I mean, that was like, you know, I don't think if you find a young 20 year old, that's a fishing guy that just lives and breathes it. Like, you know, that, <laughs> that's, that's definitely a type. Uh, so anyway, we were living and breathing. Oh yeah, that, like that fishing guide couldn't get enough of it. You know, it's all we talked about, thought about, all that stuff. And then we were, when I say we, a lot of my friends that I guided with, right, and like uh, that kind of my, my little crowd of uh, fishing buddies. Um, so we all came out of the mountains, and we came from, you know, not just fishing, but you know, snowboarding and skiing and all these different, all these different types of recreational sports that you do in the mountains. And I think what was interesting is 
snowboarding and skiing around that particular era. So the beginning of the, you know, the 2000s, <clears throat> you have an explosion of content, you have an explosion of media, all these different films, all these different filmmakers. And a lot of it really has to do with uh, some pivotal points in technology. So you have a couple cameras coming out on the market that are pretty decent, that shoot to tape, that are pretty affordable, um, you know, and they're being used heavily in like surfing and skate and ski and snowboard. And then you have the, basically the introduction of iMovie um, and Mac brings out these, you know, pretty affordable laptops where you can actually shoot this stuff and edit and you've got some music, a little bit of access to some music and you can actually, you know, you can now cut a, you can cut a movie. And so that was an explosion in ski in ski and snow and, and surf. Um, I think what we were looking at is we're looking at fishing and we're like, man, like we're young. We have the same passion for fishing as people do for snowboarding and skiing and surfing, but we're not seeing our, our demographic or our vision represented in popular content like but you know if you think about fly fishing all you really had back then was you had a river runs through it really that came out right in the 90s which was a huge explosion um culturally but it has a lot to do with brad pitt um in this in the great storytelling um <laughs> but, but yeah so we we all started making these kind of fishing movies that were in a vein of something more fun like and and what's interesting is you know, when we started doing this and I was in college, you have a bunch of other people that started doing it as well. You have Mikey Weir uh, from California that starts doing it. You have the, mm -hmm. the Trout Bum guys. You have uh, Felt Soul Media. Um, there's a bunch, right? And I'm going to leave people out, unfortunately, because my memory back 20 years ago is shot. But, you know, there's, there's 12, 15 filmmakers. Tom Bai from the Drake magazine, you know, kind of had made a film too. He kind of, feels this grassroots rumbling. He puts together the fly, first five minutes of fly fishing video awards. It's very much like the powder video awards. It's very reminiscent of like that ski thing. And it was fun. It was like underground and, you know, pretty bad. Like <laughs> the content was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was fun, man. And that was, you know, it was 20 something, it was 20 years ago. And so it just kind of spawned this thing. And then it got really popular. It turned into the, turned into the fly fishing film tour and then other variations of film tours. And now it's like, you know, now it's like the status quo. I mean, they have all these, there's film tours and there's filmmakers and there's all these established things. And, but back in the day, I mean, we were showing these movies in garages and, you know, people's like, yeah, people's houses and stuff. There'd be 20 people show up to watch. Like it, it was, it was really grassroots. It was pretty kind of punk rock, if you will, back in the day. Yeah, which is super cool, and and I mean the, because could you even back then? Could I mean was the internet even robust enough to to send stuff? I mean, kinda. I mean, the first film that I cut, we cut on a laptop that had twenty gigabytes of memory, which I mean, <laughs> I have phones. I have, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my phones. Yeah, the camera. The camera in my phone and the processor in the phone and the amount of storage in my phone is like 50 times the first equipment that we had. Um, there weren't places where you can license music. The, Facebook wasn't invented yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. YouTube, I don't, I don't even remember when YouTube came out, but I don't think YouTube was... Maybe YouTube was around? Anyway, no, none of the infrastructure was there. Uh, 
No. No. I don't think so, man. I mean, well, if it was, I, I, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, how would you, you, would you have to do it in like bit parts or? Yeah. What I would do is I would cut like. Like discs probably. <laughs> we shot, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think what we did was we tried to cut a 20 minute piece because I was going to send it to public, like the public broadcasting back in Colorado and they were going to play this movie. And we shot it in the Black Canyon uh, during the Salmonfall Hatch. And like, I'd cut five minutes and then I'd have to export it to a tape and then like wipe the computer and then do like five more minutes and then like export it to tape and wipe the computer. And like, you couldn't, you couldn't even make a 20 minute video on like a really good machine back then. Like at least a good machine for us, (laughs) you know? Yeah, that is awesome. What, what was the name of that first movie? Ugh, I don't know. Like, Probably that's, the that's black, awesome probably, probably the black Canyon, probably something super creative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's come on. It's come on. In, uh, in, yeah. Wow. Um, in, in all of the, you know, all of the films you've done, I'd love, I'd love to touch a little on some, some highlights and some lowlights. Okay. Um, Cause there's gotta be, I mean, and again, I've been with you, I've been lucky enough. We've done some really cool stuff in some cool places and, but you've done a lot more. I mean, you've, you know, like we, I talked about in the intro, right? So there has to be a couple of moments in time where, you know, hairs on your arm kind of stood up and you're like, wow, I, I just nailed that. Right. I mean, there had to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, you have been there for some of the most pivotal. I think the hard part, you know, the hardest part about what we've been trying to do for the last 20 years is we're trying to capture something that's really unique and special um, that's happening with in nature with wild animals. And so, you know, the hardest the hardest thing to like they talk a lot about in traditional movies, like you don't work with dogs, you don't work with kids, um, you know, and then so if you think about when you're mm-hmm. when you're, you know, you're trying to achieve something and do something. um, you know, you, you're you're at the mercy of the gods and uh, and wild animals, and so you know, I think you and I have had, a t- well, we've done a lot of a lot of different media together, but I mean, you know, look at look at catching a permit in the final minutes or hours of a shoot. You know, I think that's happened to us probably twice. Like, um, you know, hustling. Yeah. You know, we hustled. God knows how long. I mean, on some of those, trying to get, you know, you float around for days and days and days trying to get a permit, like it's these are tall orders it's hard to do it without a camera um the pressure of a, of a media team and cameras so you're, you're trying to do these these things so it's really hard because you're trying to you know you have to you really need to tell a story you need to document things and make it look great um and you know you need to catch fish and so there's a lot of things stacked against you um you know you and i took sand flea when we took him to alaska you know and like it's just pouring rain and we thought we we're gonna die and um <laughs> You know, it's, it's oh you know. man, I'll never forget when he um he kind of I don't even I mean yeah that was a that was a tough day and then we got the tent set up and he was like Mike can I talk to you and I'm like yeah <laughs> he's like I need to go and I was like go where you know and he's like I I need to go. <laughs> oh, he's like no I need to get out of here oh, and I was God. like. 
well, the plane left, man. Like, there's no, <laughs> we can only go down river. And he's like, no, I need to go. And I'm like, yeah, just, just take some deep breaths, man. It, it'll all, yeah, that was, um, yeah. And it's all, I mean, I remember you telling me once, cause I, I think I had asked you, this is probably eight years ago. I was like, why don't, why don't you do a permit movie? And you kind of gave me a look of like, really? Like, you know what it's like to have a, you know, shoulder, you know, camera on your shoulder, just bobbing around. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, you might not see it. So, um, I don't know that that stuck with me, but I think, I think what happens though, right. Is that everyone sees the finished product and they, they kind of associate it, you know, what you're doing as glamorous. Right, um, right. But having been there firsthand, right. I can say like there, there has to be some low lights. I mean, there's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, as you've seen, like there's always, you know, there's always kind of a point in time in a production when the wheels fall off the bus. Um, you know, people get tired, things go sideways and, you know, you're grinding for a long time. And so things always go sideways. But the important thing, right, is like when you're telling a story, when you're making, when you're making a movie, you need conflict, you need drama, you need things to go sideways. And then the, the, the hard part is when it goes sideways, like, it sucks when you're in the moment, right? And it, it, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful when you're back home and you're telling the stories and everyone's laughing, right? But when you're in the trenches of things going sideways, like you know, that's that's not a lot of fun. But what you have to what you have to do is like look for those moments and be like, okay, this is going to suck and this is tragic, but we need to document this and we need to get through this and and, and capture this part <laughs> and try to get this. <laughs> get this on film because it's going to be great later. But man, like, as you know, like I think every project we've worked on, there's some, there's some low, there's some low points and it's, uh, it's, 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 it's tough, right? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta dig deep. Yeah. And that's, what's hard, right? Because if you, if you really, and I, I don't know, I mean, you, you tell me, but the, I mean, if if you were to really tell the story, right, it's kind of like you're you're not selling what you're doing, right? In a way, right. Well, I mean, I think that's that's indicative of the trips that we always did. You know, I think you and I and kind of the crew, like we did. You know, we did the Scorpion trip, which was epic, amazing opportunity. You're going to a, a you know a place, but like again, odds are stacked against you. No one's really been there. You don't like no one. I mean, obviously people have been there, but not the way that we, that we did it. And we didn't have a lot of intel. And so like, you know, we didn't know what we we're getting into at all. Right. And same thing with Alaska. We're going yeah. in, we, we ran a river that had only been run three times in the history of, you know, people running rivers. Um, <laughs> you know, and we decided to take a Mexican buddy who's like never been yeah. to Alaska. And we're like, yeah, I need to go. <laughs> and then, you know, it took you guys to, <laughs> Oh, we had carp land that took you guys to Peoria and made you water ski with all the carp and like sword fight the carp. Um, that was, that was something. Yeah. And I think it, during the time we, we all got off the plane and we were in Peoria and we were like, this is like this, this is, this isn't good. <laughs> this is bad. It's real bad. Yeah. But I, I, I gotta tell you, man, I, I often, cause like whenever that comes up, I'm like, yeah, no, I did that. And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, no, I, I, <laughs> 
and and my favorite i was like yeah i mean they're they're super creative about it i was like at one point <laughs> i was wearing a football helmet i was on water skis getting towed by a certain mercury outboard engine that put off the right frequency to make these carp jump i had a fishing net uh the bottom of the fishing net was cut out i had a vent fencing then strung from the net in a tube to a garbage can that i was wearing on a wrestling belt and they're like are you you fucking serious um yeah it's important it's important to do really stupid shit with your friends because nobody likes nobody likes a story where everything works out and everyone's happy right like no it's not interesting yeah interesting stories don't start with yeah we went to this beautiful lodge in the bahamas and it was great and the weather was beautiful and we caught a ton of fish and it was really fun like no yeah, that doesn't, that's what I'm saying, right? That doesn't, Yawn. the same thing on the low end, right? If you were to just roll the film of me slogging through a bog in Alaska, right? Like, you no, know, it would be turned off immediately. I know, um, that wasn't very nice. That was a, <clears throat> that was, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that, that a, a different time. But kind of yeah, move. the, um, <laughs> well, we, we've got each other back couple times i think one one thing that is super interesting to me and is cool and i you know the carp idea right of trying to take a a fish that's you know frowned upon and telling the actual history and yeah and and then watching that play out as it has right i mean yeah now it's it's pretty common 10 years later or whenever we did that i mean i was a small part of it you, you know people should check it out it's it's the the cartoon kind of intro you did to that was amazing like the history yeah um but what's what's cool is right that you you do a lapse of time later and for someone to walk into a fly shop and ask like hey you you, you know where your carp flies is, is totally normal now totally totally and they thought we were and they being i guess like the the popular establishment or or whatever um at the time, and I, what was that, probably 10 years ago? Yeah, I remember pitching that concept and like, we're going to make a cart movie. Who, you know, who wants to sponsor this thing? And people are just like, they're just shaking their heads. And we're like, oh dear. But, you know, <laughs> it's pretty interesting that that movie, Carpland, as you said, like, not, people were not really ready for it. It was a little early, uh, but it won movie, movie of the year in the industry. And so, I think that's a testament to, you know, how much the fly industry has changed. And like, it's a weird thing, right? Like you and I were, we've been around long enough to remember, you know, the old days of fly fishing when it wasn't super popular and it was steeped in tradition and it was very much hush hush. And, you know, it's like, I want to, I've always really wanted to be cognizant of traditions. Yeah, smoking pipes and wearing tweed. and um, But I've always wanted to really like be cognizant of tradition and respectful of it because I, you know, I, I, I have a lot of respect for where the sport came from and the really important aspects of it. Um, you know, and the solitude and the, you know, the different things that are really important historically um, in the different styles and techniques. And, but also I've always just really wanted to push the boundaries of things and like, 
I don't know, like why, you know, for, for people, for people that don't like carp, I kind of just shake my head. I'm like, well, 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 why? Like, have you, have you, if, have you tried it? You know, cause there's, it's, it can yeah. be an amazing experience as you know. Yeah. And it's, it's also, um, really cool because when I was getting ready for this, right. Like to think about that and I'm like, wow, it really has kind of changed, right. Carp fishing is now a little more normal. And then, you know, to look at the film, was it last year or the year before you guys did you and Yako and Mangum with on Jack's like, it's kind of, it's really oh, cool. It's kind of the same thing. And it'll be super interesting, right? 10 years from now, because that stigma still holds pretty strong, it seems. Yeah, true. True, true. I mean, and I think that's that's an interesting thing when you travel. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, it's a very odd thing. I mean, you know, if you if you go from country to country, um, you know, obviously, carp fishing is like huge in different parts of the world. I mean, not necessarily like fly. It's the, the culture's very different it's in the you know conventional but it's huge and then you know you think of like grayling in alaska <clears throat> and then they're kind of seen as a trash fish or not a trash fish but they're they're, they're too easy and so they're kind of like you know they're, they're dismissed and then you go to europe you know and the grayling's harder to catch in europe than in most of the trout and, and people are fanatical about catching grayling you're like you know so um same thing yeah like jacks i mean there's species everywhere where for some bizarre reason, um, you know, they're looked down on, down on from one group and prized by another. So pretty wild, right? Yeah. And I mean, as someone that's been fortunate enough to go and catch, you know, giant Trevally, um, and then have caught jacks right there. I mean, when, when you do that, if you are blindfolded to culture, country, media, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. But as you said, it's, it's wildly bizarre. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, um, yeah. What, what are you currently wor- working on? It's, it's very hard to keep track of, uh, of what, <laughs> what you're, what you've got going on. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't. I probably don't remember everything we're working on right now. Um, <laughs> we're working. No, we're working on two cool stories right now. I've got one. Uh, well, actually, I've been looking at your your beautiful mug a lot because I'm cutting an episode of a TV show with you, um, which is great. And so that'll be done. That'll be. I think that'll air on March fourth. No, 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 no. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to deliver it on March 4th. And then <laughs> somewhere thereafter, it'll play on the TV. But anyway, it's a great episode with you on the South Fork. Um, but movie-wise, we are we're cutting a movie that's really I'm really excited about. It's about a young fisherman. He's a guide apprentice with his dad. And they are down in Mexico. And the young man was born totally deaf. And... He is one of the best permit, well, he has some of the best permit eyes um, and is this incredible guide and guide's apprentice, um, but does it all, you know, through different nonverbal communication, which you know better than probably anybody on the planet, like 
communicating as a team trying to catch a permit as a boat is really freaking hard. Yeah. Very. And I can, that's really cool. Um, and so did you already, have you already filmed it? We shot, we shot the bulk of it in October, last October. Um, a lot of interviews, a lot of lifestyle, uh, a spoiler alert. We did catch a permit on a floating crab on camera, which was exciting. Um, but we're going to, that's cool. Yeah. But we're going to go back in, we're going to go back in May and just collect a little bit more, but that's pretty much in the can. Have you, have you caught permit on floating or top water before? I have, but I haven't, um, not when they're actively feeding on them. Okay. You know, like, I, I don't know if you got to hear it, but I mean, that's, that's the only time I get think in the, in the visual world of permit fishing, where I would say hearing, like, I'll, I have seen them do it okay. um, and heard the noise. And that was, uh, that was insane. And I have caught one, one permit on the surface, okay. but I really haven't given enough time. Yeah. What do you think about the whole thing? I mean, because I, I, those crabs are floating around and, well, I mean, I guess sometimes they're, sometimes they're not, but I mean, it's not out of the ordinary for them to kind of look up and see a crab floating around, right? No, no. And I, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm way behind the eight ball on that whole scene. And, but I do know, um, of a couple of people a while ago who would, even in the keys, just, just throw dry flies. Oh, no shit. Um, yeah. And even at fish, right. Where, where they're not feeding on the surface. Oh, wow. So, you know, fish is cruising, three feet under the water, still throw the dry fly at them. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, I mean, I, maybe, maybe it's, you know, just like everything else. It's, uh, I mean, the permit fishing is still new, right? And when you're, when we're talking about the cameras and all that, I mean, that's, I mean, of course it was being done before that, but it definitely wasn't a, a popular notion. Yeah. It seems like such a luxury. And I think that's kind of, the part that I have a hard time wrapping my head around if I were going to do it, because I mean, you know, I, unless you live on a boat and you fish for them all day, every day, and it's just a luxury that you have, like for most of us, I think having a shot at a permit, there's so few and far between and so precious that <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to go. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you gotta be really comfortable with them. Right. I mean, yeah with with your time but yeah. yeah it's um did were you guys seeing crabs on the surface no we had terrible <clears throat> we had terrible weather and so we had that those kind of salt water days where you know it rains so hard the boat fills up with water um so we had really <laughs> we had really <laughs> tough days um but we just and we didn't have a lot of shots we probably had four shots for in a week and uh wow. so we got lucky but uh, but that'll be a cool piece honestly i'm really I'm, I'm more interested in human interest stuff these days um yeah and so i think that'll be a cool piece and then we're trying to work on a piece here um we're we're kind of in the in the early pre-production and funding stage of a 
of a piece that I've always wanted to do, which is uh, profiling a river over consecutive seasons. And so we're going to pick the Deschutes here in town and I'm going to shoot it in spring, summer, fall, and winter um, to kind of show how a river changes season to season. And the cool thing about the Deschutes is that it, it changes a lot in the look, but also, you know, you have like times of the year when the trout fishing is really good times of the year where they have invasive smallmouth that you can talk about times of the year when, you know, salmon and steelhead are coming in. So that river really, the dynamic changes a lot. And so it'd be cool to show, um, you know, kind of show people again, I think a lot of people, particularly in this area, they live near rivers, they see them, they're kind of a, a backdrop in their scenery, but they don't really understand them the way that anglers understand them. So trying to show people, you know, that these things are, they're not just something that, you know, flows through and stays the same, um, that rivers change and um, they're this whole, you know, ever evolving ecosystem. Yeah, that's um, that's wildly cool. The the change alone should maybe help <laughs> help humanity's resistance to change, right? I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty drastic. Um, I imagine what you come up with, right from from the different seasons. Yeah, we have a cool character um, that we're trying to pull in. Our buddy Matt. Um, so the Deschutes, uh, half of the well a lot of the Deschutes, one side of it runs up against the Warm Springs um, reservation. And so Matt is a native mm -hmm. native guide on, on the reservation. His grandfather was one of the first native guides on that area. So we have a little bit of legacy and a little bit of history um, from Matt's perspective too on the river. And like, I think that helps to have a human, a human connection, um, to this to, to the scenery in the backdrop and so um yeah it'll be, it'll be fun man it'll be it'll be a cool it's gonna take a lot of work and it's gonna take you know a full year of filming but it'll be it'll be cool it'll be very cool yeah um you know another thing i wanted to talk to you about was and i don't <clears throat> i don't really see it from the camera angle but you know these these different levels that it seems like and we're lucky enough to have been doing it for long enough, right? Where you, you, we've already experienced a lot of these levels where, like you said, when you're, you know, earlier when you're 20 years old and you're, you're guiding and all, you, you know, it's, it's, you're living and breathing everything. And then, you know, you, you've passed by the catch as many as you can and then catch big fish and then, yeah. you know, a certain way. And, and then you're on to, um, watching others do it or, chasing a more challenging fish did did your filming passion fit into that equation um in the sense that like that that's another level and then you got into that level and couldn't get out in a way um yeah no i mean look it's, it's a really this is a really weird part of my brain but uh so capturing really complex things with the camera um is almost more gratifying or just as much gratifying as uh as if i were to catch that fish let's say um and you know so mm -hmm. an example of that is like when we were trying to 
get that permit eating that topwater crab, it was like, okay, this is going to be hard because we're throwing something the size of a quarter, like 65 feet away into a, like some chop. And it's really hard to see it if you're fishing, but it's even, it's 50 times harder to find it in the camera and like get tight and pull, <laughs> pull focus and like stay with it and like not fall over in the boat that's moving around. And like, and then do that like 400 times when you cast and then try to get that, if that permit's going to come up and it's going to eat that in, in three seconds, it's going to eat that fly. Like, can you stay on it tight and, and, and be in focus and like do all those things? Um, like that challenge for me is more, or just as exciting, like trying to get that moment, um, you know, as catching one. And I know that's really freaking weird, but, um, so I, 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 I don't yeah. think it is, man. I think, I mean, it, at least where I sit it, it, um, and maybe, maybe we're both just screwed up, but I mean, it, it, <laughs> it makes, it makes total sense to me, um, that so much so that you, you know, I'm sure, I know you still fish a lot, but what I'm saying is that's probably a way for you to explore a deeper connection than if you're just up there holding the rod. And it's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think we watched, it was funny. We, we watched, uh, we watched this horrible movie the other day. It's not, I shouldn't say that. That's so rude. We watched a B movie <laughs> from the eighties or nineties the other day. And it's called Aspen extreme. And if you haven't seen it, it's fantastically. Oh, I've seen oh yeah, it. it's just fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> we watched. <laughs> it's awesome. yeah, we watched that the other day, um, just for just for grins. And there's just this hilarious part in it where you know one of the characters says to this other character, and he's like, he's like, well, you know, seeing is the easy part. And he says it at the beginning of this <laughs> this movie, and then at the end, you know, after all this tra- these tragic series of events you know, the guy kind of learns his lesson. He's like, yeah, skiing is the easy part. You know, being a human is really hard. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I learned that from you. You know, I I learned that from you. I think when we somewhere around like that scorpion or Alaska trip that you and I were on, like, you know, I kind of started to learn and, you know, you're like, yeah, you're like fishing's, you know, fishing's fishing, but like being a good human, that's like, that's really, that, that takes, a lot of effort and energy and like focus. And, um, and I think that is a really valuable thing when you come out as like a young angler and you kind of start to grow and you're like, okay, like this whole fishing thing's really great, but there's a whole bunch of really important things like in community and like all these other things happening around this and you can kind of tap into that. Like that's when you start to kind of grow a little bit. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's, um, and again, it's like, it's almost back to that level thing, right? Because you're ignorant, or at least I was, right? Like kind of ignorant to that when you you get so hyper-focused on fishing when you're at the beginning stage of it all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then ultimately it leads, it leads elsewhere. Well, and it's a good thing if you can figure it out. I mean, I think we were having a conversation about uh, like skiing the other day, like same thing. Any, you know, any of these play activities that we are really lucky to do whether it's fishing or biking or skiing or surfing or whatever we're doing right like you should hopefully get to a a level where you know it's if you don't catch another fish it doesn't matter if you don't get i mean like 
if you're going to go to the mountain and you're going to get in a bad mood and you're going to get huffy with your friends or your family or, the, or people you're with, you know, because you need to charge and you need to get five more pow turns or two more laps in or this or that, like, you know, at the end of the day, who gives a shit if you get one more lap or you catch five <laughs> more fish? Like, if you have a terrible time, like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? hundred percent, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. I really know. <laughs> Um, and it sometimes I, I, I kind of feel like, um, yeah, I mean the, the fishing part is still there, but for instance, take, take this last trip I was on, right? Like the fishing is going to be what the fishing is and anybody that acts in a way that doesn't coincide with the fact that it's uncontrollable, it, it just doesn't like, it just, I don't know. It drives me insane but like so it is what it is and i'm lucky enough to be used to that but right, what, what right. i haven't seen before is condors and like with the 10 foot wingspan going over the mountain and like a flock of you know 100 geese being freaked like <laughs> that you know like i'm still gonna make the nest the next spay cast but i don't know Th- those things seem to have a larger impact on me these days, you know, along with culture and, and, and the rest of the stuff that, you know, is why, why we do it really. I mean, cause what's interesting is when the fishing usually gets really good, if you watch people, yeah, they slow down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And even though, even though a lot of people say they don't, but. Well, they can feel your energy too, right? Like, I know that's, we're getting, we're getting a little hippy dippy here, but like, I feel you know, every, everything can, everything can kind of feel your, your vibe or your energy, what you're putting out. Right. And like, you know, if you're super aggro, yeah. you're like trying to, you know, you're trying to force something to happen. Like, I don't know, that, that doesn't work when you're, when you're screwing around, you know, and, and screwing around with your friends and you don't really give a shit. Like, you know, that's when, that's when you fish your best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you're pissed, it usually. I mean, there's not there's not too many moments in what whatever outdoor, right passion it is where you're super you're super aggro and pissed and something special happens. Yeah, <laughs> it just it it doesn't really line up. Well, I think that's that's probably the hardest lesson, you know, and that's and that's the hard thing. I think the the film when you're doing a film, it just pushes that it, it pushes. There's 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 a pressure that you don't ever have when you're fishing unless you're in a tournament or, you know, you're just uh, like super type a, but you, yeah, you have this additional pressure. And so like, I think that's probably the hardest thing is if, you know, you're, you're out there trying to get some content or you're trying to make a movie and the fishing's not working for you and they're not working for us. Um, mm-hmm. And you've experienced that a lot. And it's just like, you just gotta, you just gotta be super patient and just, have a little faith and you know it, it it usually works out but man you just have to not get stressed <laughs> oh getting stressed just talking about it yeah and i want to um <laughs> i want to touch real briefly on um the day job because i mean we we would need a whole another episode which we will do at some point well, but to to get into that but um, you know, working with, with artists in the music industry, have you, has there been a bunch of takeaways that, that 
you know, as you, as you do both that you've been able to incorporate into, you know, some of the, some of the film, you know, the fishing film stuff you do? Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, you know, my day job basically is trying to take care of artists, um, trying to make sure, you know, these are, these are folks that, that play music for a living and we supply a tool that they rely on really heavily to, you know, make a living, do their thing, create their craft. And so, you know, first and foremost, I just, I'm, I'm trying to take care of people on a, on a daily basis and, you know, kind of be their partner in, you know, kind of, kind of finding out what they, what they need. Um, guitars, guitars and music is, are, are tough because everybody has a unique sound and they're looking for something unique. Um, so you kind of have to work with people and try to figure <laughs> out what they, you know, let's say, I mean, if, let's say we, if we have 120 guitars and they'll have kind of a little bit different purpose, um, you know, an artist might say, Hey, like, you know, I, I, I'm trying to find my thing, my sound. And so we're kind of trying to, trying to pair them and fit them with the right thing. Um, but, but, you know, just trying to, yeah, just trying to help people, um, which is, and it's been a really cool journey. Um, you know, music musicians are there's a lot of crossover i think between you know musicians and anglers in a lot of ways like they're very passionate and opinionated and dedicated and, <laughs> and quirky and uh you know and fun but um yeah i think the, i think honestly the coolest i think the coolest crossover is that what we've been pioneering for 15 years is trying to make all of our guitars are fully sustainable and clear cut free and so we travel to all these forests and make sure that all the woods that we're using are on the up and up and are harvested correctly and sustainably and so the adventures that we go on trying to find the wood are very reminiscent of the shenanigans that you and i have gotten into um you know we've had boats break down in the jungle for multiple days and like terrible things happen in remote places in africa and like <laughs> Very similar. I think the fishing has prepped me very well for for that travel. Um, yeah, well, there, there, there it is. And didn't you tell me one like you, you've you've actually come across people like counterfeiting the sustainability of the wood in a way? Or oh man, corruption runs deep in this world, right? And like you go to uh, you know all the developing countries, it's a tough thing, right? Like you have people fighting for survival and. And trying to just trying to make it day to day, and so when you have a black market that is willing to pay a lot for a commodity that you have, um, you know, like a a rare wood, you know, if you're trying to consider, like, am I going to feed my family or, um, you know, save this save this tree? Like, am I going to pick that tree? So there's some rough things out there, um, but yeah, I think uh, it's been interesting to it's been interesting to see. You know, Africa, South America, Central America, our great forests are still under attack. Um, you know, I don't want to point I don't want to point fingers, but there's there's a lot of nations that are consuming a ton of resources. You know, we do a, tr a, a, a an amazing job in the developed uh, developed countries um, to pass laws and protect things and do the right thing. But there's a lot of countries that don't do that, and then that those commodities flood our markets and we buy them. So it's it's a it's a crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's a. Yeah. <laughs> that's um. Yeah, and and I would be you know you obviously get to work with a 
you know, broad range of people. But if, if I didn't bring up the fact that you, you know, you were, you were instrumental and were there for when the dude got his guitar, right? I mean, yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, that, that's about the coolest thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I can think of. Yeah. One of the highlights of my career for sure. We built a, I mean, I, I love the big Lebowski. I, I've always loved Jeff Bridges and just had so much respect <laughs> for, yeah, the dude. Um, and so it was super surreal. I mean, I remember in college, like it was cult like following. I'm sure it was for most people, like when they were younger, like the big Lebowski. And then to be able to meet your hero and work with Jeff and then have him, you know, they say you never want to meet your heroes, but have him be above and beyond gracious and awesome um was just super just 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 fantastic uh but yeah we built the guitar fully sustainable signature guitar for jeff um and got to work with jeff on some media stuff we're actually working on a project with him probably shouldn't talk about it too much but there's a forest (laughs) (laughs) there's a forest in northwestern montana an old growth forest that they are they being you know like the evil empire or whatever are thinking about clear cutting um and so i'm working with a conservation group and then jeff's thinking about it um doing some work to try to preserve this forest um, around the yak river in the yak valley uh hmm. in montana yeah well that's that's really cool right when like you said I mean, because it would re- it it would really suck if um, the dude wasn't the dude, right? I mean, oh man, I think we've all had that experience, right? Where you meet <laughs> you meet somebody you were super excited to meet, and then you're like, oh, that was a huge, a huge letdown. <laughs> and the funny thing is, you you know, in the first twenty seconds, yeah, right? yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I've I've tried I've tried so hard to not. Not that like, listen, the only people who know I am are like 15 year old fishing guide kids that are like super into fishing movies. And they like come up and like, I'll tell you about this one time I caught this giant fish. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, give it to me. I want to hear the whole story. Um, But I've always tried to be super, I've always tried to be like super cognizant of that just because I've met some people that I was excited to meet. And then I met them and I was like, oh, that's a bummer. (laughs) <laughs> who have you met who's pretty who, who you, it's pretty funny. who have you met that you were like really excited to meet and then you're like oh well no. the one well the one that um stands out the most was and i didn't meet him but it was it was someone else and because it was right when um austin powers was big oh yeah and and someone's like, man, the guy, you know, it's funny, but he's such an asshole. And I was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah. And it probably, probably shouldn't expand on that too much more, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, you, you knew I was going to ask you. So who is, I mean, you've, it's a good segue. You, you've met so many interesting people in both capacities. Yeah. Um, yeah, so who who is just one of them and why? And I think uh I know you could have probably 30 different answers, but 
Yeah, no, that's a, Mike, that's a really hard question. And I thought about it quite a bit. And honestly, I have been really, really lucky from my days as a fishing guide, you know, just having some really cool clients um, to, you know, people I work with, uh, taking care of them in the music biz uh, to, you know, traveling with you. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of the friends that you and I have made along the way have been super fascinating. Um, and it's, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a diluted answer or watered down answer because we've already talked about them. But honestly, my grandfather is probably the most interesting person I've ever known just because, you know, I had, I had enough time with him to really peel back a lot of the layers and like see the depth. But then I also, he, he, you know, kind of left us a little bit early, but I didn't have the full amount of time that I wanted to like hear all the stories and like, and so I think part of being interested is still being captivated by the, by the person. Right. And so I think my grandfather's legacy and my grandfather, you know, probably honestly the most amazing, interesting dude I ever run across. Um, you know? Yeah. Well, that, um, that makes a ton of sense. Cause I literally had to pull out of <laughs> researching your grandfather so I could focus more on, on you for the for the interview because oh, i was absolutely i was in i was like holy shit oh he, i mean the whole oh. 140 days solo in antarctica like that's where where do you you know that's a whole different episode he got married on the jerome the the, the famous hotel in Aspen, the jerome they have a bar called the jerome bar the j bar which is like super iconic and a friend of mine the other day, mm-hmm. a friend of ours was in town and she called. She's like, yeah, I'm hanging out at the J bar. This place is really cool. And I'm like, yeah, my grandfather got married standing on the bar. And they were like, <laughs> they're like what? And I was like, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> exactly. You know, just a wild animal. I mean, imagine um, if we were, if, if you and I were kind of running around, you know, Wallace during like the seventies. Um, in Aspen, sixties and seventies, like we probably wouldn't have lived, but, um, <laughs> think of what we could have gotten into. Oh yeah. Endless. <laughs> but that's, that's just super cool. And you know, that's also a good reminder of, you know, doing this stuff, right? I mean, our kids are going to be able to listen. Yeah. Um, when they want to, it'll probably be much later, Yeah, but they will have, I mean, they've got your films and it's part of the reason I'm incorporating my kids into this. Not only do they get to hear people that had a big impact on me, but, um, if, you know, if they keep doing it, they're going to hear themselves change annually. Oh so, yeah. 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 I don't know. This t- yeah. The shit's important. Cause I don't, I, my, like, just like you said, my, I don't, I don't have anything on my, on my grandfather, but he was, um, and he, he left, you know, back in 96. Okay. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just super cool. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, uh, well, I love what you're, yeah. I love what you're doing, man. And this is, this is so, it's still important that we do this and that you do this and, and, and we take the time to, to document a little bit of history and people, because I mean, probably one of my biggest regrets in life is that I wasn't around, you know, like when I had cameras and stuff, when I was in college, 
my, my grandfather, I'll keep it really short, but basically he had, he had some health issues and he had some issues with his memory later in life and some things, but I, I didn't put him on camera and capture all that stuff when I should have. And I, mm. or, you know, and, and I, I, I will always regret that. And so, you know, I've been, I've been, I just, I just cut a two hour interview with Paul Brune, who you turned me on to, um, you know, and just this really cool interview with him. Um, but I think it's important to capture. We have to capture all these different things in these stories because, man, like it's amazing how quickly we can lose this generational knowledge. I mean, I had a, a just a really funny aside. Like, there's a film that's out right now um, that's about this car called Clyde, which is the Drake Magazine car, and these guys made this documentary about it, which I haven't seen, but I heard it's really awesome. Can't wait to see it. But it was funny because a couple of different people, they were like, Hey man, have you like, did you see this movie? Cause this movie was really funny. It's about this car and it like, travels around. Have you heard of that? And I was like, yeah, I was like, we bought that car. I was like, Tom, by and I bought that. Yeah. And we like, we own that thing. We used it for a movie. And they're like, what? They're like that thing. That thing's been going around forever. Yeah. Like that, that's the history of it. And we're like, yeah. And so like the history of things can, even in like 10, 20, 50, like short periods of time, like we we can lose a lot of information. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, yeah. So that's a that's another good segue because um, I've taken up a ton of your time already. The second time for the first time, right? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I really appreciate it, man. I, I, I you know, it, it, the silver lining in in us having to do it again is uh exactly what we were just talking about. Cause I, like I said, I, I didn't, I don't think I had a, a grasp or had taken the time to really, um, you know, research your family more. And, and, and it's just super cool to me. I don't know. Super. Cool. Thanks man. I appreciate it. Um, and you know, it's just great to catch up with you. I wish we, uh, I wish we were sitting on a boat somewhere having this chat. Um, we'll have to, we'll have to figure out some time to get together and get on the water. Yeah, man, we'll 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 do it soon, and um, I'm stoked when that happens. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Well, thank thanks for taking the time to uh, yeah chit chat, and I'm glad that I could help you get a new water bottle, and you're gonna stay super hydrated. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Cool, buddy. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks again for sharing you know, some of your story, man. And, uh, I look forward to doing this again, as we talked about, you know, important to keep capturing it. Sounds and, good. Uh, Sounds good. Yeah. So find out more about, uh, RA at off the grid studios.com at Biati outdoor productions. Um, where else, man? That's, that's a good, that's a good place. We got a lot of movies, a lot of different things there. Um, we put a lot of stuff on YouTube, um, yeah, between between the website and YouTube, you can find pretty much everything you you want to see. Awesome. Yep. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, thanks again, man. Appreciate. It. Hope uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of uh, Permit to Think. My hope is this podcast offers meaningful conversations and stories from the fringe of societal norms. I am out. Thanks, Mikey. Yeah. Yeah, buddy, that was great. Thanks, dude. I'll send you some files here. I'm going to film in Dropbox. Yeah, I'll, uh, and I'll test this right now. I'll, I'll text you if I don't. Uh...
and pick up, pick up the little monster. Uh, but give the fam a big hug. 